Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. We've got trades, we've got college hoops and conference tournaments and much more. OutKick 360 final hour is here from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. The latest trade, Khalil Mack being traded to the Los Angeles Chargers in exchange, according to Schefter, for a second and a sixth round pick in the upcoming draft. If Jordan Um, Davis is still on the board at 19, they're in the money. It's it's this year's second round pick and next year's sixth round pick in exchange for Khalil Mack. And this is an example of the benefits you have when you have a, a superstar type quarterback in a rookie contract. You're able to absorb other contracts and put pieces around him. That's a great point. And this is a move to do that around Justin Herbert. That's a good price. I, I mean, that seems fair. He's, he's older now, but not giving up a first is big time right there because they can still get what we're talking about, run-stopping help there, which is their biggest thing. They get a run-plugger there plus Khalil Mack. That defense in two swoops is, is a lot better. And Tom Telesco may just be getting started because yep. they've, they've signed Mike Williams to a three-year, $60 million extension um, prior to him hitting free agency. They've got a nice young nucleus and core there, and now it's about improving the run defense, and they could be off to a, a really nice start for the offseason teams that are making some moves in a division that's doing just that too. Craziness in college hoops. Uh, and Dan Dockich joins us. Don't at me with Dan Dockich. Mornings across the Outkick Look Network. A lot to get to today, Dan. How are you? Oh, my God. Indiana won today. I got how about your Indiana Hoosiers? Shirt. Look at that. Look, Look at, at that. that. Crowd alumni. Spectacular. Yeah. About time. Uh, how, yeah. Da- how down were you on the Hoosiers going into this tournament, and how pleased are you now based on results of beating Michigan and Juwan Howard's first game back from suspension? Um, I'm always down on the Hoosiers <laughs> when they don't play well. I have, I have really high expectations. Like, like in Indiana, people say I'm a hater. Well, you know, I was there 17 years and the expectations when we were there was to go to the final four, win a big 10 title. And I don't, I don't know why that has changed. So, uh, I was down on them. I was down on them halfway through the game too. They looked dead in the water, but you got to give them credit. And they came and played really well defensively. Their interior defense by Trace Jackson Davis was phenomenal. And it changed the entire game. Frankly, if I'm a Michigan fan, I'd rather have Phil Martelli coaching that game in the last 10 minutes because Juwan Howard, for whatever the reason, he had no answers. And, and what a ridiculous uh, statement he gave yesterday saying he could have given a thousand excuses and why he did what he did. What a bunch of crap that wow. was. I mean, just give me one good excuse. But anyway, uh, we're happy we played them on. Don't know that we're officially in. You know, we got to got to see what other teams are doing. But Lenardi has them as the last, last team in. So go beat Illinois and our toes are tapping. There you go. 17-point comeback also for Indiana in this game. And you mentioned it with Phil Martelli. Dan, you know this. Michigan was playing pretty well with Phil Martelli, right? And and you, you throw something else in there, 
and it can change. I'm, I'm not saying Phil Martelli should be the head coach over Jawan Howard permanently, but it is weird how momentum works uh, with a game like basketball, and they throw back in their head coach, and suddenly they blow a 17-point second-half lead. No, they played great to get the 17-point lead. And here, here's what every coach will tell you that has paid attention. You want zero distractions in tournament time. Like, I'll give you an example, and people don't really understand this, but Wake Forest announced a contract extension for Steve Forbes. Everybody loves Steve Forbes. Steve Forbes is a great guy. I've known Steve Forbes a long time. Great guy. Good for him. But here's what's happening now in college basketball. Kids are paying attention to everything. Well, why is he getting that money? Where is that? There, you want no distractions. So what happens yesterday? And I don't know if it's because of that, but I know there was a distraction. And I know Forbes' contract being announced right then in a time when it is all about greed for players and coaches and players are keeping score. I know that that distraction doesn't help. And I'm telling you, in tournament time, you've been doing this so long during the season, you get in a rhythm. Boom, we do this Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You don't want shakeup. You don't want distraction. Howard coming back, look, he's the right guy to run Michigan's program. But I said, I think last week, uh, on your show, and I certainly said it on Don't At Me, for one game, I'll take Phil Martelli 100 times out of 100. But for running the program, Juwan Howard did it. But you just don't want distractions at this time of year, period. Let's stay local to you since you're talking about always being down on Indiana. How up are you on Purdue? They've been my team all year, but they've not played well. You know, Purdue is one of those teams that really fights you defensively. They have the greatest sign in college basketball. Defense uh, lives here when you come out onto the court. Their student body, the paint crew, they they chart charges and steals. Defense is a big deal, and they haven't guarded. And that's Purdue's biggest bug. But look, they got two everything. They got two point guards that are good enough. One guy doesn't play well, bring the other two bigs and all that stuff. But they haven't played well. I think they're the favorite to win the Big Ten tournament because I think of the depth. But they're going to have to guard if they're going to do – look, this is the only team in the Big Ten where the expectations of the regular season don't really matter. It is what they do in the NCAA tournament. Every other – look, Wisconsin got a piece. Illinois got a piece of the Big Ten title. That's a great year. Not a good year. That's a great year. But Purdue's the only team because of expectations they need to get to the second weekend – and I got to tell you, if you'd asked me a month ago, six weeks, I'd have said, yeah, let's go. But they're not guarding like they should. Not at all. Dan Dockage with us uh, on Outkick 360. We, we, of course, following the SEC tournament closely, and we really gear up starting tomorrow when those top four teams begin to, to tip off. Which of those top four, Dan, are you hoping to see the most from in this SEC tournament? Which should be wide open and very competitive. Yeah, you know, I'm anxious to see what Auburn's about. Obviously, they started out winning everything and had a couple missteps, but I think the best team's Kentucky. I'm not, look, I'm not sure I'm right. They got to be healthy. Ty Ty Washington got to be healthy. But I think when I look across the board, I kind of like this Kentucky team. I I think it's, look, it's not John Wall and it's not, you know, Boogie Cousins on the same team with Jones and those guys, but this is a team that has uh, by far enough talent. I think Cal Perry's done a really good job with this team. They've had a number of different issues, but that's the team I'm waiting to see. Like, look, you know, I was speaking about Purdue and how their postseason is the barometer. Well, of course, it's Kentucky's. You know, their postseason, they need to do something, get to the Final Four, get to an Elite Eight at least. And I think it starts with winning this tournament. Now, are they capable? Hell yeah. I think they're the most talented team. I think the best player is Jabari Smith. 
I think the best way to play, I got to tell you again, it's Auburn. Auburn to me, you want to go up and down, they can do it. You want to get it to a big guy in the block, they can do it. Big guy can step out and play, play middle ball screen. They can do that too. Um, but I am anxious. I'm anxious to see if Kentucky get themselves a title, any kind of title. They didn't win the uh, SEC regular. Now you got a chance to win the SEC tournament. And remember, there's only three or four things they give out rings for. They give out rings for conference title, conference tournament title, Final Four, and, of course, national champion. So I'm anxious to see if this team, which I think is good enough, can get a ring somewhere down the line. Dan, good game today between Syracuse and, and Duke. Duke wins. Syracuse without Buddy Bayheim. Buddy Bayheim the day before, punches a kid in the stomach on his way up the court, doesn't get caught. His dad, the head coach, is asked about it and said, and I quote, I saw the play. The kid pushed him twice. I think it was inadvertent. It wasn't much of a punch. <laughs> so starts one, where, one, one place, gets the end by, well, it really wasn't that much of a punch. Jay Billis is pissed off about this. Uh, Jay Billis, of all the people at ESPN, can get away with saying anything he wants against the game of basketball or the NCAA, saying it's completely wrong for them to come back after the fact where there wasn't even a common foul called and suspend the kid for uh, an entire game. What do you think of the decision? What do you think of the play itself? Well, the play itself is chicken blank. I mean, let's be honest. In basketball, you can hit anybody. You can punch anybody. Guys blocking you out, you can swing. You're vulnerable in basketball. It's very un-buddy Bayhype. Like, you know, I like, really like the family. My wife, I've said it many times, Syracuse coach loves Bayhype. Doesn't like him, loves him. He was awesome to her. She and I are arguing last night because she agreed with Billis. I think, you know what, good for Jay. Say whatever you want, but he's wrong. I mean, it's just straight wrong. You have to, after every game, they look at fights. They look at punches. They look at flagrants. And then you make a decision. Buddy Bayham lost his cool. He punched a kid. You punch a kid in college basketball, chances are you're going to get suspended. Now, my wife, along with Billis, says, well, then why don't you go look at every other thing? Yeah, that's not the point. You look at punches. You look at flagrant type files you look at fights after the game look i get it everybody look espn you got to understand everybody at espn panthers is whatever jay good for him he can say what he likes i like jay work with him enjoy his company but i don't care i mean the truth of the matter is the dude punched him you punch somebody in a basketball game i don't care whether it's caught during the game or right after the game you know what you're going to get suspended Bad play by Bayheim. Everybody can complain about it, but I think they made the right call. And look, you know what, what I always say? What's the what's the uh, argument that people say reasonable minds can disagree? Hey, I disagree with Jay, but he certainly has his opinion, and I have mine. Is it time for us to change our mind at all on Penny Hardaway with this run that they went on right after he has the rant about the media's got me bleeped up around here, and you know we haven't had a full roster all year? Suddenly they get a little bit healthy, and they've won 12 out of 13 games to close the season, and they are squarely in the NCAA tournament. Uh, might be. I mean, but look, you're at Memphis. You've got every single advantage. Win a tournament game or two. You know, I did their game for Westwood One Radio down when they went and, and beat uh, Houston at Houston. It's also a cautionary tale. Like, I don't care how good a kid is. Imani Bates was a pain in the ass in high school. He's a pain in the ass in his recruiting. He was a pain in the ass at Memphis. And now he's not playing. So guess what? Memphis is better. It's that simple. You know, you think you're better than the program. It rarely works out where that helps the program. So Imani Bates, he's not playing. Team goes on a run. That I respect. That I absolutely respect. But let's be honest. Uh, the league isn't very well coached. 
Uh, Samson, I told Seth Greenberg today on my show, you need to get in that AAC, man. He could win. He could do what Samson's doing in that bad boy. So, look, Hardaway, you win a few games, that's great. Yes, they are very good, and they were very tough when they beat Houston. So, yes, I am in on Penny Hardaway, but let's also be honest, Memphis, it's not like Bowling Green. I mean, Memphis, you've got every single thing that you could possibly want. Go win some NCAA tournament games. But I think he's done a great job here, given given what where, where they were headed earlier in the year when Bates was on the team. Dan, take us uh, behind the scenes filling out your bracket. How much does this upcoming weekend impact next week and first, second round type momentum? Are you buying into teams that are, are hot right now that make a run, maybe don't win the tournament, but make a run this weekend? Or do you stick with your gut and what you've seen all season? A little bit of both. i tell you who I do buy, Lamont Paris and Chattanooga. Like I'm gonna, I, I, I talked to him twice over the last couple of days, and look, he – He's got a squad. He's got a big guy in De Silva. He's got guards. He's got toughness. He's got a six-year guy, the kid John Baptiste, who hit the shot. I buy them, and I'm looking at their matchup as one. It'll be. It'll take a really good, really good team for me to pick to beat Chattanooga in the first round of the NCAA tournament. A lot of things go into it for me anyway, and it usually takes me about five minutes to fill out my bracket because I have a tendency to watch too many games, uh, and then I make up my decision based on how a team may play in one of those games. And I'm like, well, they can be really good, so I'll take them. And I'm the worst bracket person in America. I've won the Dockage family bracket thing one time, and I've got a daughter that doesn't even pay attention. You know, I, I, no, but none of them do. But I never win. I fill it out. It takes me five minutes, but I watch everything, think I'm smarter than everybody, and get most wrong. That's what I do. What the heck? Same. Bruce Weber, <laughs> Bruce Weber uh, resigned at K-State after 10 years, talked about doing things the right way as compared to Kansas, Oklahoma State, who were both implicated in the FBI investigation into college recruiting. What's your take on all that? Loved what he did. Hey, look, one thing I'm tired of is coaches that are talking. Coaches that are just talking. So Bruce says, screw it. I'm going to make a symbol. I'm going to grow my hair out. Hey, look, it's not a victimless crime. When you're cheating, now the rules are different now, so I guess cheating is different. But I got to tell you, when you're cheating, it ain't victimless because you're getting players that maybe would have gone to another school. You're getting wins against coaches that are getting fired. It's like baseball. You know, that second baseman in the minor leagues that decided not to use roids, he's back home selling insurance where the guy that he was just as good at decided to take roids. It ain't victimless. So I applaud anybody that actually stands up, actually says, this is going on. I don't like it. And nobody's going to listen. Nobody's going to listen because you mentioned Billis. You know, right now, the number one thing in college basketball is greed. It's money. Players don't care. They just want to get their little NIL where they can get some money. I'm anxious to see five, ten years from now where those same players are. But nobody's going to care about cheating anymore. But I applaud Bruce for doing it. Because I do believe Bruce is one of those guys that has never crossed any type of line, whether it was at Southern Illinois, Illinois, or now K-State. People can disagree with it. They can be cynical about it. But as a guy that walked out of $3.5 million guaranteed at West Virginia because they didn't respect the fact that I wouldn't cheat, I respect the living hell out of what Bruce is doing. Will Wade uh, and LSU, they're up by 10 right now over Missouri, uh, less than a minute to play in the SEC tournament. What do you think Will Wade's feeling or thinking with uh, the 
notice coming down, and now he's got the he's got the athletic department in a situation where they can make a move on his job. I don't think Will Wade cares. I, I, I think Will Wade is one of those guys that doesn't care about the rules, understands that if I win, I'm good. Uh, they made a big deal a few years ago where between, I think it was Wade and maybe Ogeron, the AD got fired for crying out loud. Uh, I don't think Will Wade cares. In fact, I, people will tell you that are, that are cheats in college basketball, Will Wade's the smartest dude ever because he used his own money to pay off players. There was no middleman. I don't know whether that's true or not, but that's what people seem to say. So I don't think Will Wade cares. I think Will Wade feels like he's Teflon there, which I don't understand. Look, there's a saying in coaching. If they fired Bob Knight at Indiana, they'll fire your ass too. There's a saying with NFL players. Look, if the Colts cut Peyton Manning, they'll cut your ass too. I don't think Will Wade subscribes to that. I think he feels he's Teflon. Uh, so I, honest to God, I, do, I, I talk to people that have investigated him, that have talked to him, you know, last couple of years while all this is going on. And they're like, dude, just don't care. It's a good way to live. I wish I lived that way. I can't. It's a good way to live for Will Wade, though. I, whether he loses his job or not, I think he figures, you know what, as long as I win, I'll get another one, which is absolutely the case in college basketball. Get fired for anything. I don't care anything but lose, and you'll get another job in college basketball. I think that's how Wade feels. Dan, we're dying to know who the next quarterback of the Indianapolis oh. Colts is. Tell oh. us. Oh. Uh, if I had gunned ahead, I'd say Mitchell Trubisky. Like, you know. Is he an upgrade over Carson Wentz? No. I mean, one, he didn't even play last year. We, we have, the media says, the greatest general manager in the country. Like, like NFL.com, some guy named Rosenthal did an article. It, we, best general manager in the NFL is, is our 42 and 42 guy. And they bring in, I think, the worst trade. You can make the arguments, worst trade of the century. Now, I know the century only goes back 22 years, but you pay a guy $38 million, you sell a fan base, you got the supposed quarterback whisperer who hasn't whispered anything other than, uh, I don't know what the hell I'm doing, get out, Frank Reich. Uh, what the hell's that guy done? He's had six quarterbacks. Jacoby Brissett, young guy, they told us he was a top 20 quarterback. He lasts one year. Andrew Luck, people don't want to believe this, but Andrew Luck quit for one of the reasons was he didn't believe in what was going on here in Indianapolis. Now, people don't want to buy that. People want to do that nonsense about, well, he got beat up. The hell he got beat up. He, got, he, he played 16 games and started in the Pro Bowl. Uh, he got beat up on a side of a mountain. Snowboarding is where he got beat up. But people don't believe it. So now you bring in Rivers. They don't want Rivers back. You know, you bring in Scott Tolzien. They don't want him back. Now you bring this guy in. They don't want him back. I thought Reich was a quarterback whisperer, man. What happens with the Colts is there are winners, there are losers, and there are survivors in, in professional football, whether it's a coach or general manager. Our general manager is one of the all-time great survivors, baby. He blames it on Reich and then moves on, and away you go. Dan, I, I got to give you credit. You said I'm one of the NFL insiders, and you were tweeting about it. And you nailed it on Carson Wentz saying he talks too much about himself and everyone around there sees it and he's not going to be back for that reason because no one wants him around. And all you have to do is watch the show and you'll see that he spends too much time talking about himself. Full credit to you, Dan, the man. You were all over this story. You're the Adam Schefter of, uh, of Indy. Congratulations. 
Yeah, well, I wish it wasn't that way because, but it's the, hey, look, you guys know it's the weirdest situation ever. When has somebody let go, you know, basically a four to one touchdown to interception rate, almost 4,000 yards? And, you know, people say, well, you know, he missed the throw to T.Y. Hilton that would have won the game against the Oakland Raiders in the right. But you know what? Uh, Darius Leonard had a wide open look at sacking Derek Carr, and he whipped on a sack that would have legitimately ended the game. So, you know, you guys, and football is a team deal, and somehow, and I don't understand, I really don't, somehow Carson Wentz is getting blamed for this whole mess, and God bless him, but there's no wide receivers here. You don't have a left tackle. You don't have a corner. Um, And somehow, some way, as I said, our general manager is considered really good, and we just sit here and laugh and go 9-8 and or whatever the hell Colts go. But, yeah, Wentz was talking to – you could tell that Wentz was a guy that irritated everyone around him. He just appeared to be an irritant. That's it. Not in a good way either. Not in a fun way. You know, if you got a buddy named Fats, he might be an irritant, <laughs> but his name is Fats. So, you know, he's fun to be around. Hey, invite Fats to the party. When people say, hey, Carson's coming to the party, you're like, yeah. I remember Mike Greenberg uh, was, you know, guys were like, hey, Greeny, we need to play golf. I'm like, that sounds miserable. <laughs> like, I don't play golf. I want to play golf with dudes that are fun. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need somebody worrying about phonics. You know, what, how phonetically I say something. I want somebody who's going to drink beers, bet their face off, and let's go. And it's the same thing with Wentz. I want buddies named, like, my buddy Big Fat Bob. I, don't, I want fats. I don't want Carson Wentz coming to my house. Get rid of him. Let's move on. And away we go. Wentz oh, yeah. or Greeny. Fats. <laughs> Two people I, he doesn't I, want. I would love if the Colts acquired a quarterback whose nickname is Fats now. Just, just to go what you're saying. Not Russell comes back. Demarcus Russell, bring him back to the Colts. Purple drink. Hey, I, I guarantee you he will drink some beers and bet his ass off on a golf yeah. course, too. You know what else yeah, sounds miserable what... to me, Dan, is uh, listening to oh. media, both national and probably local, sell the fact that Trubisky's going to be an upgrade. And I'm here to tell you, and I know you buy this, too, if the Colts don't trade for Kirk Cousins or Derek Carr, Reich's fired, and he knows it. Hey, Reich, I mean, I don't know if you saw this, but Reich uh, – he, he, he's the guy. I mean, he's the guy that said, hey, look, uh, I want this guy. He's the guy. I mean, he went to Jimmy Ursay, stuck his neck out. And I do think there's a little bit of this. Now, just, I'm not – Jimmy Ursay was hostile. And Mike Chappell, longtime beat writer, I asked him, why, did, why are the Colts having to address this? And he told me point blank. He said, he, you know, Mortensen, Chris Mortensen – Betrayed a trust, betrayed a confidence. And he didn't tell me it was with Jimmy Ursay, but he ended up basically telling me it was Jimmy Ursay. And Mortensen went with his story about how the Colts aren't bringing, you know, Wentz back. It betrayed a trust of Ursay. And frankly, that made Reich and Ballard have to deal with this. And that's not a great look, right? That's not a great thing. But apparently Ursay was blanked off because of the vaccine thing. Because he didn't think he was a leader. He was mad to take the guy at first. He just didn't like the way he played. Blamed it on Reich. And next thing you know, uh, we got a we got a situation on our hands. It's the weirdest. I'm telling you, you guys know you've covered this longer than I have. When the hell do you get rid of a quarterback without having at least somebody? Sam Ellinger is not starting next year. At least I don't think he is. How solid is Ballard with Ursay? 
I think they're all on thin ice. I, 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 you know, like, look, the PR machine, the Colts is awesome. I saw some of these guys, these national guys saying, well, you got to give Ballard the GM of the year award because he got something for wins. Dude, he's 42 and 42. You're playing in the easiest division in the world and you haven't won a division title. You've played and won one playoff game. You've had no playoff games. I mean, let's be real here. You know, you brought in the worst trade ever. I mean, you can make the argument. Like, people get on Grigson because he brought in Trent Richardson. And they're right. He gave up a first-round pick that turned out to be Johnny Manziel. But the Colts paid no money. Like, the contract was picked up. They paid, like, some like 100000 or whatever the minimum was. And the guy played in playoff games. So this is the worst trade ever. And Jimmy Irsay, I'll tell you this. You rarely hear Jimmy Irsay do what he's, he has done. We're all in. He's talking to it. He's talking his way through his pissed-offness. And I find it fascinating. He won't come on my show because I'm a little too harsh, but I respect that. I'm sure he does as well. Dan, sure. appreciate you, man. And uh, we look forward to uh, the bracket challenge and everything else next week. And uh, don't at me. We'll be awesome uh, the Monday morning after the brackets are released. You guys are great teammates. Thanks, brothers. Thanks, Thanks Dan. Dan Dockett's there from OutKick. Uh, don't at me across the OutKick network. Dan is awesome. Uh, and he's confirming there what I, I, I think that both of those dudes, Ballard and Reich, thought they were getting fired after Jacksonville. And if you feel that way then, and you're trading Wentz now, you can't just go sign Mitchell Trubisky and, and sell the fact that you're going to be better. I think there's a good discussion to be had there of the limited amount of names that you could actually sell as, as good to better than Carson Wentz. Because if you're selling Trubisky, you're basically selling – He's not Wentz from a personality leadership standpoint. Well, but, but so now, he's going to be better. But the difference is you're selling – last year with Wentz, you're selling you're a contender. Yeah. What are you selling now with Mitchell Trubisky? That you're uh, the eighth seed? That's not getting you in the postseason in the AFC. Yeah, you know? the seventh seed, you're losing the first ga- game. I mean – Yeah, that's, that's not good enough. You could sell Mitchell Trubisky – I keep saying Trubisky to Pittsburgh. You could sell Mitchell Trubisky as an upgrade from this version of Ben Roethlisberger. Way b- before you could but, an upgrade in Indy. But well, I think it, if you're selling Mitchell Trubisky, you got to have a draft pick with him. But the, the, these clubs are not created equal. The percent, it's not if you lose, it's how you lose. And how the Colts will lose is not going to be equal to how the Steelers lose without their future Hall of Famer who's now retired yeah. as they replace him. Completely. This is about a mess where everyone was saying they were a Super Bowl contender in early December. Late November, early December. And a complete collapse where if you run it back and you don't have more leadership and great play at the quarterback spot, those dudes are out. And they know it. That's why you've got to go trade for a guy and don't sign Mitchell Trubisky. But if they do, they're rolling the dice and hoping for an injury to Tannehill, and then the division's wide open. Coming up, Trey Wallace checks in from Tampa. We go back down live to Florida where the SEC tournament is taking place. We'll get the very latest, and we'll preview the games set to tip off this evening on OutKick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix.
We know two of the matchups tomorrow in the quarterfinals of the SEC tournament. Auburn will take on Texas A&M, and we get the third matchup between LSU and Arkansas, where the Tigers are 0-2 against the Razorbacks this season. Still to come, we find out the opponents for Tennessee and Kentucky, and those games about to tip off. South Carolina and Mississippi State will tip off in roughly 30 minutes down in Tampa followed by Vanderbilt and Alabama. That's where Trey Wallace is, giving full coverage for Outkick.com, and he joins us again to preview tonight's matchups. But first, Trey, let's start with LSU's win over Missouri, and it was a 20-point-plus tight game every time we would check the scoreboard until the end. It got, things got a little tight. Did LSU let things slip away, or was this just bench players in and they were running it out? No, I think it was just kind of bench players in, kind of running it out there towards the end. Uh, I thought I thought LSU played uh, pretty darn well. They were shooting the ball well. They had five players in double-digit scoring uh, against Missouri, who's tough on defense at times. Um, but we saw, you know, Xavier Pinson, Darren Dave, Kyrie Eason come out, and they played good basketball uh, today. So when we look at it overall and how that matches up tomorrow against Arkansas, um, it's going to be a fun matchup. I, I really look forward to it. Um, and, and Missouri, they just you look at their bench, and they've got three players sitting over there. They don't, they just don't have enough. And uh, we'll see if this is Condo Martin's last game coaching at Missouri. Trey, I want to go back to the first game today uh, with with A and M beating Florida in overtime. But going back before that, something John Calipari tweeted uh, a week and a half ago, and the tweet says, "Any team in the SEC that's nine and nine should be in the NCAA tournament." The top four teams in our league went 35-1 and one at home. That is insane. We are the best league, and our teams deserve that respect. I understand coaches are always going to hype their conference. This is certainly a very good SEC. Do you buy that from John Calipari? That would put Florida and A&M in the tournament since they're both 9-9 nine and nine teams. No, I mean, it, it, I mean, you have to look at you know these teams that, and who they're losing to and what they've done during the season. I mean – you know, this is the same A&M team that went on a, a seven-game losing streak during the regular season. So, you know, I, I know they I know they went to Alabama and won that game. But then you kind of look at how things have played out since then. And and even the craziness of today. Like, should I – look at, so if we're looking at it right now, Chad, should a win over Florida in the SEC tournament be the catapult to get you in the NCAA tournament? Like, Probably not. That's where it gets interesting. Probably not, but if you come out tomorrow, and let's say some things happen in the Big Ten tournament, Big 12 tournament, whatever, and you come out and you lose a, a three-point game tomorrow, and you, you, you play well, you put everything together, and you come up just short. Okay, maybe that gives you a little bit more of a juice towards the NCAA tournament bid if things fall in other areas. But, you know, I mean, a loss like that today for, for Florida – you would think in some certain instances would knock them out of NCAA tournament consideration. And in most years, in most years, you know, I, I had somebody ask me, they were sitting there watching the game and uh, an official from the SEC kind of came up to me when we were talking about, you know, Michigan, you know, and what their record is. And with them, you know, losing, should they get in looking at their conference record? And I was like, okay, yeah, you can look at their conference record, but really how good is their conference at the bottom? And I think that's the key thing when you look at what some of these SEC schools have done so far this season is beating some of these bottom-tier teams. Like, I mean, this that LSU-Missouri game, I mean, that was horrible. 
I mean, Missouri just didn't have enough players. Georgia's been horrible this year. At the beginning of the year, Vanderbilt wasn't good. Now they're starting to, to figure out a few things. I just think overall, as a conference, I'm not buying the whole you get the nine wins, you get in type of deal because there's a lot of easy wins in this conference this season at the bottom. Tonight, we see Vanderbilt take on Alabama. That follows South Carolina, Mississippi State. Your thoughts on the Commodores and the, the shot that they have to, to knock off the Crimson Tide. And, and I'll say this up front. If, if Alabama comes out and they're hitting threes, it's game over and it's a blowout victory. Like it's a wrap of Shackelford and yeah. Quinterly come out. And they're, yeah, they're draining from behind the arc. But I'm like, I, I'm not going to say this too loud here. <laughs> I like Vanderbilt tonight. Like I, I kind of do. I, I, I like what they bring to the table when it comes to Scotty Pippen Jr. and getting to the basket and them causing problems in the paint and getting Alabama into foul trouble. But I agree with you. If they don't take care of the perimeter, it ain't going to be much of a game tonight. But if they can and they get the basket, and Scotty Pippen Jr., Chad, Johnson, you know, Paul, you guys know this, if he can get a whistle tonight, that's going to be interesting. I'm very intrigued on how the officials are going to call that basketball game because you know these point guards are going to be driving to the basket a lot tonight. So if they lay off the charge calls and all that good jazz, then it could we could see this thing getting a little bit crazy between Alabama and Vanderbilt. But it wouldn't surprise me if the Doors win this game tonight, just as much as it wouldn't surprise a lot of people. And, and from a Tennessee perspective, does it matter who wins between Mississippi State and South Carolina? You know, Paul brought that kind of up earlier, talking about that matchup, you know, and, and I honestly think, Jonathan, both these teams play so darn physical, you're getting almost type of the same matchup. You know, South Carolina can, can hit some shots from outside the perimeter at times, but a lot of that is just so much physical play down low, trying to feed the paint. Um, you look at Mississippi State, Molinar is playing fantastic. We've seen that all season long. Um, but what, what can he do tomorrow You know, against this Tennessee squad? I think it's very key for the volunteers tomorrow night to come out, set the tone at guard, but also inside the paint. And if they can do that, I think they'll take care of whoever they play tomorrow, and they'll look forward to a Saturday matchup with maybe Kentucky. Maybe. Depends on who wins that game tonight. Trey, we have a running gag on this show. goes way back. Uh, we didn't do it two days ago. Uh, Chad asks me uh, and Hutt how many guys we think are on the first and second team all-SEC basketball teams. Because Hutton and I both know that there are five guys on a basketball team. Uh, but then we always marvel at how many guys they put on. So I, I, And we've never, I think, had a chance to talk to you about this. Why are there nine guys on the first team and eight guys on the second team? Why don't they put maybe, I don't know, five guys on a first, second, and third team, that's 15, then leave off the other two? What, what is, why do they want nine guys on the first team? Doesn't that water it down? It sure as hell does to me. Because everybody deserves a damn participation <laughs> nowadays, Paul. I don't know if you realize that or not. Um, no, I, I mean, sometimes, look, I, I agree. Sometimes it's really hard to make that decision between who's the top point guard in the conference. It should be hard. The top forward. I, I get it. I get it. Like, but so there's times where, okay, you're going to throw in one guard and make him first team, and then you're also throwing in a second guard and making him first team. It, it's almost, I don't know, it don't, it's almost like baseball, I guess, in a sense. You know, you don't see this in football. Um, it, it is kind of weird. I'm not going to lie, Paul, when they have that many players on a, a first team and a second team roster. But 
you know, we're in the day of age where if you play good enough and if people can't come to a smart conclusion, then there's going to be two or three players that get it for the same award. So it is what it is. Unless you can't argue with it, we'll just try to get by. We congratulate all 17 guys. You, you, in the yeah. you get a trophy, Trey, for this appearance. Of both guys. appearances. Hey, You're going to get a trophy. If you for don't this. make one of those teams, you suck. <laughs> that's what it comes down to. You shouldn't be coming back exactly. to play. In no the Georgia SEC. guys, I'm guessing, on either of those teams. This I just in Uros Plopsic, actually, third team all SEC this year. <laughs> I saw it on the SEC <laughs> network. They were, they, were, they were making it okay because there's no third team. They're like, this seems like a lot of guys, but there's no third team. So that makes it okay. Uh, hey. Let, let me tell you something. If I am not on the outkick freshman of the year ballot <laughs> this season, I'm going to be pissed. It's yeah. all of us. Ballots go out next out. week. It's all of us. It's you and Zakai Ziegler. Yeah, Those are, that's is. the outkick all freshman team. Trey, Wall- Trey Wallace, Zakai okay. Ziegler. You both made it. Trey, give us, a, give us an update we'll uh, and maybe a preview of what's to come at the, at the website and, and on YouTube uh, through the outkick channels. Yeah, we've got um, – We've got uh, LSU postgame just wrapped up. We'll have comments from Will Wade. Uh, he's actually talking at the moment. I promise you, if he, if he said anything about the NCAA, yeah. uh, it was, I'm not talking about it. Um, so, you know, but we did, we got postgame. Looking ahead to tomorrow's LSU versus Arkansas matchup. Uh, that was just posted to the website. Looking forward to that game. Uh, tomorrow is the, is the big day, boys. Um, I know tonight we've got some, some pretty solid games, but tomorrow is, is where the craziness begins as well. So, uh, looking forward to that. We'll have coverage uh, going on all day, uh, tomorrow and tonight. Uh, Glenn, I'll have you uh, late tonight, and then uh, I'll kick things back off tomorrow morning and we'll get ready for a, a great day of coverage. And uh, keep following for videos. Uh, we'll have uh, stuff put up on YouTube tomorrow, lots of pictures, uh, lots of interviews going to be starting up tomorrow. And, um, yeah. Just think, look, excited to be here for OutKick and covering this thing, and uh, hope we're doing a good job for you. Yep, great work, man. And we will check in with you tomorrow uh, with uh, a couple of different updates throughout the afternoon and what should be a, a jam-packed, jam-packed day full of great basketball there. So enjoy it. Thanks, Trey. Thank you. Yeah, no, I, no, absolutely, guys. Have a great day. I, by the way, I'm calling the uh, Auburn upset tomorrow. I'll go ahead and get that out of the way. A&M. We'll A&M over Auburn tomorrow. All right. We're writing See it down. How that works out. Trey Wallace. Follow him on Twitter for more at Trey Wallace underscore. I know you guys were nervous about this news, but it is official. Tom Crean officially out now as Georgia Make basketball it coach. Make uh, it official. Seth Emerson has that report. So why would the Bears part ways with Khalil Mack? We've got that for you. Plus, first cars. We'll explain. Outkick 360 rolls on. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'll kick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody. We're back, Yeehaw baby. Here and old Smoky Moonshine. We are back. So here's... Uh, what I mean by that is my FanDuel account is back. <laughs> the Chicago Bears. Oh, never mind. I've traded Khalil Mack to the Chargers. It'll be official on the first day of the league year, which is next Wednesday. Um, Khalil Mack, he's 31 years old, and he missed 10 games this past season. And... The Bears are going to take a bath in this uh, contract. They're taking a like $25 million cap hit 
So why do it? By trading him. Um, because they have, they're trading him in, ch- in exchange for the picks. Because they're they have a new head coach, new general manager. And they're and, not both this year, even right. The second. Uh, the reported, this year yeah, it's the reported the second year. this year. They don't have a first round pick currently, so um, they're trying to load up and maybe get a couple picks in order to trade up into get the first round first. potentially. Um, we had a, a Adam Brown, our production assistant, put together our first cars on Instagram. If you want to see our our first rides from the high school days, uh, including Reed's. Uh, Reed, Reed, by the way. Um, Sent in uh, the if you're trailing him on the strip, you get the view of the the skull and crossbones and everything else that's in, involved with the, the, his truck. Uh, follow Outkick360 on Instagram at Outkick360 to see our first ride. Yours is the best by far. I mean, it, it I looks terrific. I, I'd love I'm, to be in that right now. I, I've already told everybody I will be purchasing that truck again. It's everybody a GMC Sierra. What year? It's a 1986 GMC Sierra Classic. Did it ride smooth? The only thing oh, is, yeah. it looks like it maybe with a little. No, it was upright. It was perfect. Well, was I have perfect. to give Adam's doing a great job uh, with the Instagram account, but Mine's I got to give horrific. him credit because I didn't send a picture of my first car. He found it and he nailed he didn't it. Either, right? I, I had a Jeep Cherokee that wasn't a Woody, and it's hard to find the Jeep Cherokees not have the wood paneling. And I had the gray, navy mm. blue with gray paneling on an '89 Jeep Cherokee, and somehow Adam didn't even tell him that, and he found it. Mine was horrific. My parents really actually bought me a much bigger car on the thing that you know they want you to ride a big car so if you're in an accident you can take it i hated it and so gradually i made like shifted my mom into that and i drove hers it was a 76 toyota corolla that was falling apart i mean and it's so ugly you go look at it on there i mean it's embarrassingly bad um and falling apart and reed you had you also had a gmc you went with the the sonoma yeah, it was. So my dad walked in one day with the uh, keys to a brand new GMC Sonoma and the payment book that wasn't with it. And said, you probably gonna have to go get a couple more jobs. <laughs> so that's how that went down. The sad part is like I, I've, here's how I know I've lived too long because the things that were cool when I was a child that I couldn't Just afford. Die already, the things that I couldn't that were cool when I was a child that I couldn't afford are now once again cool and I can't afford them. <laughs> like the truck that Hutton had, uh, a square body Chevy or a square body oh. GMC is selling mid eighties is selling for about twenty grand right now if it's in any decent condition whatsoever. I am stunned. That it's a good looking truck. The Reed's trucks. I'm jealous of y'all's vehicles. I mean, I, my, I love mine. mine too. When I got it, it was. I'm, I had the short bed too. Thing could barely start. It had like 275 thousand miles on it when my grandfather got it for me. But I loved that Jeep Cherokee. I'm stunned it. that anybody would buy a, a new car. Like just fresh off the lot. Yeah. Just for the automatic depreciation. I bought used cars my whole life. They've all been terrific. But, you know. I, I think it's a. You, Paul, you, can't, you can't tell anyone in Brentwood you bought, just bought used cars your entire life. Yeah. You will be excommunicated <laughs> from that community. You'll be kicked out of that country club. Th- either, and I've got all Nissan people in my neighborhood who all get huge discounts at Nissan. You only buy new because you want to know that you're the only, only owner, owner, right? You know the history. The, I'm okay. You are the history. So, and, then, and then there's the, the, the value of, okay, how long are you going to have this car and what's the purpose and what are you using it for? Uh, interstate miles, all that stuff. So, I mean, I, I've, I've always bought used as well. Speaking of um, first cars, we had this discussion at the bachelor party. We were trying to think of this small little micro-machine car yeah. from the 90s that a friend of ours had in high school, and it finally came to us. A Geo Storm. Did you guys know anyone that drove a Geo Storm? I need to see it. I mean, David Reed would vomit by just looking at this there thing. There was a... It is a Japanese-made... 
No. I've got a, I've got a picture I, here. I don't know if it's an, it's an, had it's this. It's an Isuzu. I think Isuzu makes it. There was a girl in our high school that drove it. Her name was Jackie, and we oftentimes... There's a girl in our high school, too. We oftentimes would pick up that car and move it in the parking lot. <laughs> I, I think, think we I've may have done the same. five cars in my lifetime. Is that I haven't had lot? many. I don't feel like five that's a lot. No, I don't think that's a lot to the average person. Yeah, for as old as you are. For as old as you are, that's yeah, not a lot. It's not a lot. And one of them got prematurely taken out by somebody else. It's a car decade. I've had five, and I'm quite a bit younger than you. <laughs> not, not by, yeah. So. <laughs> You're 13 years younger than I am. <laughs> yeah, I am. Quite a bit younger than That's quite a bit younger. I tried to, I tried to backfill. I'm like, no, I'm quite a bit younger. <laughs> I know, I know how old cars. I am. This is like the people who tell me I'm bald. It's a, it's a yeah. revelation. Hey, we're taking Vandy. George Costanza had to be reminded though, at one point that he was, in fact, bald. Taking Vandy to win tonight. I'm taking, I'm, I'm taking both underdogs, SEC tournament. I, I think South Carolina wins outright. I think Vandy wins outright. And if my FanDuel account will ever acknowledge me being in the state of Tennessee, then I'll place those bets. FanDuel.com slash OK360. Still got me somewhere else that doesn't allow betting. We are back at it tomorrow. Who knows? We, we, we're averaging a trade a day this week. In the NFL, might as well keep that going. Just trade it tomorrow. Something big to lead off the show. Maybe with. the Colts make a move. Uh, maybe they don't, but someone will because it's the NFL offseason in full swing. We've got that covered for you. Uh, we will have the SEC tournament covered as well. Hope you'll join us. Bobby Carpenter's on the show. It'll be a fun Friday, and we'll get you into the weekend the right way from Sixth and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Maybe Freddie Freeman will have a new team. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know if baseball players are allowed to start signing tomorrow, but if they are, that'll happen too. Don't block the box. Do lock the lock.